Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Well, my heart is so full of things to share with you. that The Lord has been speaking to us very, very clearly about oneness, about being connected to a spiritual father and being connected to spiritual brothers. Now, the necessity for spiritual fathering cannot be negotiated. It's a thing that's going to make you richer in Christ. You can probably survive without it and do God's will to a degree. Your cup will be full, but if you want it to overflow and you want to be enriched, um, there's a dynamic in God uh, in which there's a particular flow of grace there that is designed to enrich you in a substantial way in your calling in Christ. And we've been laboring this for the past few weeks, and I don't want to rehearse that. But uh, on Wednesday evening, we met here for a meeting which was quite well attended by the church. I want to commend you for that. But it was a, a tremendous flow of revelation. And I trust that you made the time for those of you that were not here on Wednesday to listen to Wednesday night's teaching. It's very important teaching, which I won't have the time to rehearse because I need to go on from there. But what I want to encourage you, don't let there be gaps in your understanding in terms of what I release to you. You must remember, your coming to a church has as its primary focus the Word of God. The thing that makes us and binds us together is God's Word more than anything else. It's not music. It's not a nice building. It's not the car park. It's not any other trappings related to our ministry. Is, is God speaking and am I compliant and if God is speaking in a particular way, am I getting the fullness of what He is releasing through my minister or my pastor or my spiritual father that He has positioned in my life? That is very, very, very critical. You've got to follow doctrine, and I'll talk more about that later. Follow our teaching very, very systematically because we're building line upon line and precept upon, upon precept. And we are constructing like a builder would do if he comes to the site, they dig the foundation, pour the concrete, lay the foundation, then start the brickwork. Now, things work sequentially in a building, uh, on a building site and within building generally. You cannot put the rooftop unless the foundation is solidly laid and the, at least the superstructure is erected. Then you, you put the rooftop. Likewise in the spirit, listen to me carefully, I am going somewhere with you. I'm crafting something in the Spirit. I'm building systematically. Our messages are not, I don't sit 11 o'clock on a Saturday night scratching my head thinking, what am I going to preach to the people to? No. God has given us a program. God has given us a systematized pattern of building which we are crafting into you. And what we are doing, as a man would build a house, we are building you as the house of God. Right? This is the task of all fivefold ministers and fivefold ministries. We build up the body of Christ so that it can edify itself in love. The saints can then do the work of the, of the ministry. Okay? Uh, John Alley really challenged my thinking and theology when he said, 
the history of the church has still yet to be written. The book of Acts, yes, has an earliest history. But the, 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 what the church will do in the last day is going to be so profound, it's going to far outpace what we read of the accomplishments of the saints in the book of Acts. And he said, therefore, the end is not soon. Uh, don't be under the misnomer that the end is soon. There's still so much work to do in terms of maturing the body of Christ. You see, Ephesians 4 has got to be accomplished. When will we get there? The end is not going to come until we get there. So until that is accomplished, there's no end. There's, there's still a work that the saints of God have to do in the earth. And he challenged us then, you must build generationally. Tell someone, build generationally. Right? So when I build, I'm not building for the next 10 or 15 years. I'm thinking of the next 100 years. So the, what I do now, I'm setting things in place. Even when I, I exit this planet and my sons and their grandsons are still around, they would be at a far closer point to the finish than we were, but that we would have both solidly to prepare them for their phase of the journey. Okay? So now, even when I prepare a sermon, I'm saying this sermon must stand the test of the next 200 years. Right? Uh, we're producing a CD soon. This CD must stand the test of the next 200. It must, listen carefully. My, my thing is this. It must somehow contribute to the overall doing of God in the earth globally. It can't just be a product for just a product's sake. We got something out. No, it must build. It must, it must consolidate the purposes of the Lord in terms of what He is doing globally. Amen. Now, having said that then, I want to encourage us all. As Sean said, um, grace, please listen very carefully. Grace is the substance of God in spirit. And we've been teaching uh, of recent, the Lord has just... I want you to go on to grace versus law. We'll get to that in the course of this year and to other aspects regarding kingdom economics and how you need to work by grace and not by works. We'll get there. Listen carefully. But just before we get there, the Lord has really interrupted me now in the past few weeks by stressing this fact. There is a need to dwell near one spiritual father. And the nearness is not physical proximity as much as it is obedience to the word that your spiritual father preaches. Amen. I want to encourage you. I'm a firm believer in what Dr. Segi said to us once. He said, if you sit under the word long enough, you will deliver yourself. You will deliver yourself. He sent his word and he did what? He healed him. Right? Tell you never sit under the word long enough. The word of God is quick. It's sharp. It's powerful. Uh, it divides asunder soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the intents and the thoughts of the hearts of men. And I'm t I, I, I want to encourage you. Some of us are waiting for someone to lay their hands upon us and bring deliverance. Yes, there's a place for that, but I, I, I believe in the invested, innate, authentic power of God's Word. If I hear the Word, that Word can deliver me from my situation. Amen. So I want to encourage you, stay under the word. Please, I want to stress that. Tell your neighbors, stay under the word. Stay under the word. Don't let weeks go by and you're not hearing word. There's going to be gaps. There's going to be deficiencies. You're going to be prone to, to error. You're going to be susceptible to deception. 
right? But, but just have a consolidated full spirit. Um, OG did some new designs for some of our CDs, and I spent the whole of Friday just updating them. And um, I was busy doing the Prosperity of the Soul covers and that he sent, and the Spiritual Man. Now, those two sermon series on our desk, I want to really encourage you to listen to that. Amen? Do it and just soak it in. Just pour it into your spirit. Guess what? I promise you, your life will change. Your life will change. Right? And um, it, just, it just hit me when I looked at the, the list of topics on the CD cover. I said, wow. And I, I began to, the Lord brought back to my memory almost the entire series. I said, wow, this is what the church needs. But I want to encourage you, stay under the word. Amen. Now, I want to encourage you, your relationship with your spiritual father is based upon the word of God. Yeah? The essential is the word of God. I might not forget, I might forget your birthday to wish you. So please forgive me if I do that. But if I did not wish you for your birthday, it doesn't make me a bad father. My fathering to you, the bedrock of it, you must ask one thing. Does this man give me the flow of God's mind for my life? Is there a flow of God's word? Is that being poured? But don't worry, I will wish you on your birthday if I remember, right? <laughs> okay. But the thing is, is the word being poured out into me? And then secondly, we, we, we said on Wednesday, once you come into that economy, if you are son to a father, you are part of a spiritual household. Not so? You're part of a spiritual household that to which you must connect to as, as brothers. And, and I'm glad there's wonderful synergy happening, uh, especially amongst the men here. And I saw it at ALS the week before. I saw it at the men's conference yesterday. Guys are getting to know each other's hearts. That for me is wonderful. You see, we cannot just be attendees at church and say, I belong to that church when we don't know each other. And I want to submit to you, the greater the quality of oneness, and you cannot be selective. You cannot say, I will spend more time with that brother and not with the rest. No, then you haven't got the revelation. The greater the quality, and I'll prove this to you in a moment, the greater, the more widespread, the sense of oneness is, the greater the flow of the grace of God would be. I want to say it again. The more widespread the oneness is, the greater the flow and the quality of the grace of God would be. So, for example, I can be one with the first three rows of people here. I know, and this is my preferred clique. There should be no cliques in the church. We love everybody equally. But let's say I'm more at one because I spend more time and I know. Do you know? And, and let's say I'm not that way inclined to the rest of you. And yet there's no, there's no real issues between us. It's just that times and, and circumstances have permitted me to relate to this group. Do you know we'll, there won't be any sort of negative impact upon the corporate group. But if then... Let's say everybody in this group together with myself transfers this oneness to everybody else equally throughout the whole group. There is definitive, a definitive shift in the grace, quantum, and quality that God gives to the people. Right? Now, one verse that proves this is Leviticus 26 and verse 8. Your breakthrough is located in the degree to which you connect to the body. I'll say that again. If you want the next level, 
To be isolationist in this season is very dangerous. To be alone in this season is extremely dangerous. Right? So five of you, it says, will chase a hundred, and a hundred will chase how many? 10,000. Now, I hope you are good in math because I'm going to test you now on your ratios. Okay? Come on, all the maths people. You did ratios at school, remember? So, watch. Five. If you get five guys, five guys who are at one, how many can they oppose and chase? 100, right? So, if you simplify the ratio, five is to 100, what does it work out to? One is to? One is to 20. You say one is to 20. So there's five guys that can chase 100. It means each of them individually can tackle 20. Five of them corporately chase the, the 100. Now, watch. If there was one guy and 100, he can do nothing. One guy and 100, he can do nothing. But put that guy in grace. What is five? Come on, say grace. Put that guy in a graceful company that is where we're men of God whose hearts are united, this is the principle, their individual capacity accentuates automatically. Right? And it's the power of the group, it's the power of corporality, it's the power of togetherness that is able to take an enemy that no one of them could take individually, but if they band together, they are able to take insurmountable odds stacked up against them. But that's good, right? So, Five can chase a hundred, simplify the ratio, one is to twenty. But then it says, but a hundred can chase how many? Ten thousand. So if you do the maths, a hundred dot dot ten thousand, simplify it, that's what that? One is to a hundred. Now, the power of one in the group can attack a hundred. You see, when it was five to twenty, simplify that. Sorry, 5 to 100, 1 is to 20, each one could tackle 20, but no one could take 100. But when it's 100 is to 10,000, simplify that, 1 is to 100, now 1 can deal with 100, simply because the quality of the oneness has increased greater in number. I hope you're getting the revelation. It's, it's, like, it's like, yes, I can have this band if we are one. We would do things in God to a limited degree. But if the same spirit increases, guess what? Individual potential goes to the next level. Yeah? So then can we afford division? Can we afford schism? Can we afford not to love each other without reservation? Can we afford to be selective in who we invite to dinner? I mean, not those people. Those people, yes, because we can get something. Can we afford that? No. You see, if you don't have the revelation of oneness, your behavior will, will, will not be in keeping with what the product of oneness affords to you. I am ready to chase. Are you? <laughs> Come on. Are you ready to chase some stuff? But you will chase more the greater the complement of the people that subscribe to the oneness. When there's only five, your options, yes, you'll still be effective. I mean, five, chasing 100, one to 20, it's still, wow, it's still a wow, right? Right? Now, do you want wow, or do you want wow, wow? <laughs> you want to go to the, I'm, you see, why I'm stressing this, guys? 
The will of the Lord for this congregation is not five years to 20. It's 100 will chase 10,000. I speak by the Spirit to us all. Get a revelation. You will do more in the group than you will ever do by loan, ever do by yourself. So the greater the compliment, the greater the thrust. Now watch. Hear my heart. I'm going to speak very personally to us today. Hear my heart. A lot of people have subscribed to the father-son dynamic and have reaped great benefits from it. Now, the benefit must be corporate. The greater the number of people subscribe to that reality. You see, the reason why I say this is because when you subscribe to that reality, you can never ever love your father without loving all of his other sons. So the subscription to fathering is an automatic subscription to brotherhood. Automatic. Because even the heavenly father said, what did God the father say? God the father said, how can you love me whom you haven't seen, but you cannot love your brother whom you've seen? Your love for me is evidenced by how you love each other. Right? How you love each other. So we want a house full of grace. A house full of grace. So I now want to reference 2 Kings 6. I've been dying to get you for a few weeks now, right? And show you how these things play out in that context. So check the story out. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. Now the sons of the prophet said to Elisha. Interesting statement that sons of the prophets. Remember the prophet Samuel also had what was like a school of the prophets. Remember? But they are never ever called a school of the prophets. I hear people brand that term around, but nowhere in the Bible will you ever find reference to school of the prophets. In Samuel's case, the, all that the Bible speaks about is company, a company of prophets, a company of prophets, a company of prophets. Uh, do you remember the case where Saul was instructed to go up a hill and to meet the company of prophets that are coming down the hill? Remember that? Right? And what, what did Saul start to do? He started to? Why? Because of an association with, a prof with prophets. So the prophetic spirit was within the environment. And although he was king, not a prophet, he could prophesy by virtue of association with prophets. So they were prophesying fairly accurately. And the Bible clearly says, and there was a man there, an unnamed man. The Bible doesn't give his name. He was not impressed by the prophecies of Saul or the company of prophets. And he asked one question. He asked, but who is their father? Right? What's the principle? No matter how gifted you are, no matter how proficient in your gift you are, the expression of that giftedness out of fatherly oversight is invalid in the realm of the Spirit. Right? Who is their father? When Elisha, Elijah also had sons of the prophet, so did Elisha. So yes, it was like a training, a mentoring of new young prophets. But they never called school of the prophets. They always called the sons of the prophets. That tells me that... Within this culture, there was father and son dynamics. Elisha being the father with sons, under him being sons of the prophets. Do you remember Elisha himself was a son to who? 
to Elijah. And Elijah was taken away to heaven. He said to Elijah, my father, my father. It was a hard cry. And I want to encourage you, the father-son principle must be a hard thing. You have to, if it's not a mental, you don't want to see to it mentally, intellectually, or clinically, or scientifically. If you have to give the heart, have to give the heart. Your father's heart has to be given to you. Your heart has to be given to your, to your father, right? Has to be a hard thing. So with that background, double portion that rested, double portion of Elijah's spirit rested on who? On Elisha. So Elijah is, I think Elisha is more the father that Elijah was. So double portion rested on, on him, right? So please bear in mind the role of this prophet is fatherly over sons of the prophets. And it says here, the sons of the prophets said to their father Elisha, Behold, the place before you where we are living is too, it's too limited for us. They wanted to increase the living space. Now, I entitled this sub-series in grace, Dwelling Near Your Spiritual Father. Nearness to one spiritual father. But now, and you'll see this in personal examples like Elisha never let Elijah out of his sight, tracked him, followed him. Similarly, Joshua and Moses, every time Moses went up the mountain to engage God, who's tracking him? Right there behind. Remember? Uh, Joshua also fasted for 40 days. He was right there. <laughs> he stayed halfway up the mountain. I, I think he must have fasted. Right? I'm not sure about that, but we read countless examples. Timothy following Paul. Paul said to Timothy, my son, you have followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my love, my faith, my patience, trials that I endured in various cities. Timothy followed Paul, okay? Uh, Esther followed Mordecai, Naomi, Ruth followed Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Uh, in other words, you, your, your pathway is in the Spirit. As you grow, I'm right there behind you. I'm tracking you, right? Paul said of Timothy, um, he has followed he knows my ways in the Spirit. No, he tracks me. So, countless examples of individuals, right? But now, I want to impress upon you, this is not individuals following Elisha. This is a hundred men. Principle of a hundred we referenced a moment ago. There's approximately a hundred men here, and they express this to their father in Christ. I'm paraphrasing, in, based on, Leviticus 26, 8, we've read. They're saying, Dad, we need to chase more guys. The chasing needs to escalate. We need to take this corporate now to the... I'm, I'm speaking to you seriously by the Spirit. I would say to all of you, you will come into individual blessing within the context of a corporate group. It's not just beneficial for the group, but the will of God for your life will accentuate to the, to the next level. Right? Your, 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 answer is, your answer is in the group. So the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, Behold, now the place before you, I like this, the place before you where we dwell is too limited, too crammed for us. Don't know about you, but I'm feeling crammed in the spirit. Uh, there's a divine frustration. Come on, do you sense that? I know we need a building, right? We're going to bust out of this place soon. And I know that we'll have an enlarged physical place. 
but I'm talking spiritually. God is saying, I need a Randolph. The Metron of Gate Ministries, Durban Central, is about to increase. It's about to, to grow. Your influence and your ambit, your sphere, is about to, to increase. God is, not, God is very zealous about that His Word comes to pass. Very zealous. right? Serious responsibilities we have. Yeah? Come on. You know, you must, get, you must strengthen these things. Tell you to strengthen these shoulders. We have to bear much more now than we've ever borne before. I'm telling you guys. And we're going to do multiple things simultaneously. God spoke to me. Multiple things simultaneously. Everyone say multiple things at the same time. I, please get that thing. Say it again. Multiple things at the same time. We'll be doing this. That all happening concurrently. Why? It's all going to come because of grace by virtue of our connectedness. Yes, the clue. If we stay one, if we stay connected, God looks upon that group and He says, Wow, I can dispense resource. I can dispense grace. I will, I will give them the requisite strength they need to do all that I've called them to do. Amen? Because God has elected us for this purpose. Then, verse 2. Watch. How does this happen, by the way? How does this process play itself out? Please, now yes, please let us go to the Jordan. Everyone say the Jordan. What does Jordan mean? The River Jordan? To go down, uh, the word literally means rapidly descending. Jordan doesn't just mean descend, it means rapidly descending. Descent is a picture of humility. A picture of humility. And we've labored extensively how that humility accesses grace but pride pushes grace away right so i want to please keep your humility not because we've done that series it's there that we mustn't we must obey those principles that must be an abiding state of your heart god against pride sean warned me in the prophecy watch your heart do not be proud god against pride so i want to encourage us you see what we read now is the process of enlarging the space the first principle i want you to log in your spirit i must always and we as a group must always remain humble especially when god begins to bless and enlarge keep a humble disposition always defer glory to to god when he blesses us and things go well say it's not us it's all about it's all about it keep humble keep pure keep lowly let's go down to the jordan and each of us there take a beam and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. And he said, go. Question, where did the initiative come from? Elisha or their sons? The sons said, we are feeling. I like the message Bible says, there is no elbow room here <laughs> to cram. We need, what is, what are they saying? We need greater what? Expression. They are saying we need to use and you see, let me just say this. If we come here every Saturday and get fat, um, we, we develop dropsy is the syndrome. Dropsy is a medical term for water overload. Not so? Water is the word, right? But you can get fat and do nothing for God. Every impartation of grace and resources you receive is to make you more effective to do something for God in the world in which you are. So Levi, you must get yourself ready. You will do mighty works for God. 
in your sphere of, of, of friends and associates. You see, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to do what? To preach the, uh, to good news to the poor, deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. You can't have an anointing and nothing to do. The anointing is upon me to do, do X, Y, Z. We're going to pray in a moment. The Lord said to me, impartational prayer today. God's going to impart the spirit, uh, a greater spirit of corporality, oneness, and grace allocation. Why? Because we are now poised. Lord, what have you called me to do in my sphere? This is like training in your sphere. You will do the works of the Lord. But go down to the Jordan and get, there get a beam. Now, a beam is literally a, they will, they will fell trees, cut down trees that are growing alongside the Jordan. Now, the Lord, I want to apply this prophetically to us. God said this to me. It's rooted in a prophecy that Sam Solon gave me. Sam said this to me a few years ago, two, three years ago. He's a great apostle, which we all hugely respect. And in normal conversation, and we're chatting. And you know, Sam is such a gentleman of gentlemen's in the spirit. Very prim, very proper, very stately, kingly, dignified. And we're chatting away. And he just said, uh, thus saith the Lord, uh, do not lay your substance before those that do not perceive you as a father. For that will make you less of the father that God has called you to be. But he said, mark my words. God will bring a sphere of sons to you in your world that you might feel ineligible to father. But they're going to be sons of such quality to do great works in their field. But God has deemed you worthy to give oversight to them. And you will feel less qualified by virtue of what they are. But God has sovereignly chosen that. To prove to you, it will not be because of you. It will be because of the grace of God in you. That's in a nutshell what he said. Now, when I was reading this, the Lord brought back the prophecy. You know why? What do trees represent? I share this with Bernard on the way to Port Shepson. What do trees represent? A tree in the Bible. Men. Someone. Just put someone quickly from verse 2 onwards or so. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he does meditate day and night. He shall be what? He will be like a tree. So, Whenever you read tree in the Bible, it's referable to a person. Remember in John 9, I think it is, that blind man that was healed. Or, or there's not in John 9, another portion as well. The other blind man that was healed. What did he say? He said, I see what? I see men as trees. So the imagery of uh, a, a tree, uh, various psalms, can, other psalms prove this. Like he will be like the cedar of Lebanon, the man that fears the Lord. So think about this prophetically with me. When the sons of the prophets are going down in humility to a context of humility, Jordan rapidly descending, and watch, they're going to increase the living dwelling space before Elijah, and what are they getting? What are they collecting? Beams or trees representative of men, but not just any men. I believe these are trees by the Jordan. This is the man whose roots are by the streams of, he'd be like a tree firmly planted by the 
Streams of living water heals its fruit in season. His leaf also does not wither. Whatever this man does prospers. I submit to you, church. God spoke to me very clearly. Watch. God is collecting beams. Not any ilk. Not any pedigree. Already, watch. Listen, we will always have a ministry to the needy, to the downtrodden, uh, and that we're going to focus on very, very heavily. But God said to me, because of where you are going spiritually, I need to increase the living space where your sons sit before you. But I will gather for the increased rate of grace transmission to the house. I'm now going to collect beams. And they're going to walk in. Persons that love God's word, persons that delight in God's word, and persons that obey God's word will be like positioned by the rivers of water. Yeah? Simply because of what God wants. Let me just say this now. I was thinking about this late last night. This church, a large degree of our messages are structural in that they prepare structure in your life for the blessing to flow. Right? If, if you want a church where you want a quick fix, you've got a problem, come, lay my hands on you, go. Right? Now, yes, there's a place for that. But I'm interested in, I'd rather give you the structure that will deliver you and maintain your deliverance throughout the rest of your life by giving you principles. Right? And that, that everyone say the beams are coming in. Right? But guess what? Who collects the beams? Elisha or the sons? Sons, that's you. That's you. Who's going to bring them in? You know, the greatest form of evangelism is one-to-one. I really believe this. It's when you speak to persons privately. That's our evangelism. So I want to encourage you, evangelize. Bring the people in. Yes? Have you brought anyone in to this congregation for the time that you were here? Some of you can say yes, some of you are not sure. I want to encourage you. I'm saying this not to make anyone feel bad. I'm just saying this to you. I want to say this to all of us. There is an anointing for that now. There is grace for that now. The Andrew principle, go into the highways and the byways and bring them in. Okay? Significant people, okay, are going to to come. Yes, people will come in here to be part of this household. But God's going to connect us to other strategic ministries. And as a corporate a complement corporate group, we're going to do great things on God's behalf. Amen? It's going to happen. Tell your neighbor it's going to happen. I can't tell you how settled I am in that. How at rest I am in that. How I'm not, I don't just believe, I am fully persuaded that what God said, He will accomplish. Amen? So, let's get back to 2 Kings 6. I want to finish this so that we dismiss you early. So you can all attend the production this afternoon. Please, uh, uh, then one said, please be willing to go with your servants. Now that I love this. The request, he gave them permission. He said, no problem, guys, go for it. And they realized we can't do this alone. The grace that you represent needs to accompany us. Right? So we're not going to be like Gehazi. Remember Gehazi? When Naaman was healed of his leprosy, Elisha refused to take a monetary offering from Naaman because Naaman was still bent on serving Rimon, which was the Assyrian goddess of rain, right? 
So Elisha refused the offering, and Elisha's servant Gehazi, without Elisha's permission, just listen carefully, very important, without Elisha's permission, he ran after Naaman, and he misrepresented his father Elisha, saying to Naaman, my, my father has changed his mind. I'm just paraphrasing. He said, you must give me what you would have given him. So greed gripped the man. And he came back. Naaman goes back to Syria. Gehazi is coming back to Elisha. And guess what Elisha says to him? Where have you come from? Did not my spirit go with you when you went to Naaman? There's a realm in fathering. Listen carefully. Where a father can know things without being physically present. This is an economy that we're entering into now. Right? That is how we father. You know, there, there's sometimes a nana will know a thing about somebody. And we don't have any physical evidence. But by virtue of the grace configuration of fathering, that come, it just comes with fathering. That sometimes when sons misrepresent you outside of our view, the spirit, we just know it intuitively by the spirit. So I want to encourage you. The greatest thing that we must surprise and work after now is accurate representation. Amen. So they essentially are saying, come with us for the grace in you is going to be cover us and ensure this, the success of this endeavor. So he goes, right? And he answered, I shall go. I'll go with you. Then, verse 4, so he went with them and they came to the Jordan uh, and they cut down trees. Right? They're cutting down trees. As one of them was felling a beam, an axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. I've borrowed this axe head. The axe head fell off. Now, and then verse 6. The man of God, that Elisha, said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place, and he cut off, Elisha cut off a stick, and he threw it there where the axe head fell. And the, the iron, the axe head which had sunk down to the riverbed, started to float up to the top of the water. Verse 7. And he said, take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and he, and he took it. Verse 7. He took out his hand and he took it. Okay, we'll stop there at verse 7. You see, to fell a tree without an axe head is meaningless. Not so? If, you, if you're cutting away and there's no axe head, you've lost your edge. We speak in English. You've lost your sharpness. You've lost your cutting edge. Right? And you know what the Lord said this to me? God wants to bring back the cutting edge to everybody. You see, you can flail and flail all day at the tree and it's not going to fall. Because you don't have an axe head. Okay? And I don't know how this works for you and to what degree you, you could apply it to your life. But I say to you in the spirit, the Lord says your days of flailing with no commensurate success is over. You've been working and slogging in life and you're not getting the results you know is your portion in God. I just sense the Lord saying to us, I'm giving back all your sons their sharpness. You're going to get your cutting edge back. Yeah? You're going to get your cutting edge back. But you see, it takes the stick of Elisha to find it. You've lost it somewhere. You can't even, you don't even know where it is. 
And you know, the stick in the Bible speaks of a rod. Mate, the, the Hebrew, speaks of leadership. Remember Aaron's rod that budded, uh, put into the, the Ark of the Covenant when there was a dispute as to who should be the, the leader, the, the, the spiritual priestly leader in Israel. And of all the tribes, the, tribe, the stick of Levi, Aaron's rod budded. So rod's stick speaks of leadership. How did Moses lead? By a stick. Remember his rod? And he did very great, mighty works with that rod. So the stick here, Elisha's stick, represents his leadership. Now, I, wa I want to make a bold statement. I'm calling us all to greater submission to leadership. And you will see your edge come back. Some of you have lost your edge because you've lost your submission. The moment you submit to leadership and to fathering, I, I, I want to guarantee you, in no time, things you've lost in some deep place will float up before you. But who picks it up? Does Elijah pick it up? No, he says, no, it's there. No, you go fetch. You reinstall it back to your stick and you bring in the beams. Some of you are saying, how on earth is Randolph expecting me to increase the place where he dwells together with his sons? Tall order. Don't work through the details of this in your mind. All you say is, I'm just going to Observe the principles of fathering, sonship. I'm going to submit. I'm going to obey. My sharpness, my edge is going to come back to me. Um, I'm tired of flailing year in, year out. Uh, I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want to be here next year this time. And I'm talking here physically and here spiritually. Tell us as a prophetic statement to your neighbor. I said like I said, I certainly do not want to be in the same place next year this time. No, 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 no. We, I'm telling you guys. No, no, no. I want to have a glorious celebration on the 31st of December 2017. And we've got a few months to go, right? We, 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 we mustn't just have like a closing year service. We must have a prophetic service celebrating the goodness of the Lord. It's not even half the month. we still got time. Let me just say, you might have lost the first few months of 2017. It's not too late. I still believe in the prophetic word we gave to this church. It's a year of the Lord's favor. It's our jubilee. The set, the time, the set time to favor Zion has come. But it comes to those who, find, who, find, uh, who favor her stones, right? Who favor the dust thereof. Who show kindness uh, to, to the other sons in Zion. This favor will come. I see overt demonstrations of it in my life personally, but you know, it, it doesn't satisfy me to have personal breakthrough. My, you know what my greatest joy would be? is not when we have breakthrough. That's like, I'm not, and I think, please don't mislead me. I will say it's par for the course. It's what I expect. I'm a son of God. I live in the supernatural. I expect it daily. But my greatest joy would see it when it breaks out corporately. I will never be satisfied with personal breakthrough unless I see it in every son. Amen? Tell your neighbor, we're all going to come into this, right? We're all going to come into this. Let me just close off with this thought. I know there's, there's much else in here, but um, time is against us. Do you remember when Peter's shadow healed people? I'm trying to find it in my notes. It's Acts, if you want to take the reference down, it's Acts 5. From verse 
12 to verse 16. Acts 5 from verse 12 to verse 16. Now, before Acts 5 is Acts 4. And on Wednesday, I taught you Acts 4, 32 and 33. Let me just read that quickly. Acts 4, 32 and 33. Because you've got to get the context. You can't jump into experience the benefits of Acts 5 if you don't know the context in Acts 4 from which these things come. And all the congregation who believed were of what? One, everyone say one heart. Say one soul. And not one of them claimed anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. And because of that state of care, hospitality, joining, oneness amongst the group, what happened in the next verse? And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to what? To the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and what was on them all? An abundant grace. King James says great grace was on them all. Now, I don't want great grace to be on some. I want great grace to be on? Great grace to be on all. Then, in Acts 5, verse 1, you get the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Not so? Do you know that when we get one soul, one heart right, and great grace comes upon everybody, it's the most dangerous thing at that level to misrepresent. I mean, Ananias and Sapphira are taken out. Death, because they misrepresented their financial offerings before Peter. And Peter says, you haven't lied to me. You've lied to the Holy Ghost. So the, 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 the Ananias dies, Sapphira dies, and they are taken out. More on that at much later. Then, you know, as a result of this, Acts 5 verse 13 says the following. Right? Acts 5 verse 13. None rest dead associate with them however the people held them in there was a fear a reverence and esteem that came to the apostles because they realized hey it is extremely dangerous now to make the wrong step and there was a, a reverence for leadership everyone say a reverence for leadership right? there was great honor great reverence for for leadership and then um Verse 14 says, watch, And more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number. Right? We're going to collect the beams, not so. The sons are going to come in. The living space is going to increase. Grace is going to flow like a mighty river. But it, you see, all of this happens, comes to a church, one heart, one soul. They are tight. They are one. There's reverence for the leadership of that group. Then they, in their context is the apostles, right? And then it says the Lord was adding to their number daily such uh, as were being saved. Or verse 14, multitudes of men and women constantly added to their number. And verse 15, to such an extent that even they even carried the sick out into the streets, laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, lest his shadow might fall on any one of them. So the word for shadow um, is epischiazo. And it means the, the, the imposition of a preternatural power. Preternatural is a lovely English word. It's another word for supernatural. 
It's above the ordinary. Right? The exertion of, of influence. Now watch. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God is light. God himself cannot cast a shadow. Because his essence is spirit. And the Bible calls him light. For a shadow to be cast, you need two things. You need light and you need a physical object. Light at the back of the physical object, in front of the object, will be the shadow. Right? So it will be the shadow of the object. But the object in itself does not have any shadow. The shadow, the object only has a shadow by virtue of an influence of light behind it. So, I believe the spiritual fathers cast a shadow upon their congregations. Well, it's not my shadow. It's a shadow of the Lord. It's only an influence. I only have a shadow. Peter's shadow healed people. But it's not Peter. I believe it's the, the influence of power and light within the man that casts its shadow and people get healed. Do you know what the Bible says about Samuel? It says, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. You take Samuel away, Philistines attack. But Samuel is there and it says, the hand of the Lord against the Philistines all against the days of Samuel. Remember Paul and the Ephesian elders? What did he say to them after spending three years with the leadership of Ephesus? He said this to them, after my departure, grievous wolves will come in. What is he saying? So long as I'm here, they've got no chance. But you remove me, grievous wolves come in. But we know they did not. If you know the history, you must do a detailed study of the church at Ephesus. Because Paul had the wisdom to do what? When he left them after three years. Who did he put there as a representation of his own leadership over them? His best son, Timothy. You'll find this in 2 Timothy 1 verse 3. So I left you at Ephesus. Put you there, right? So I really want to encourage you. Learn to abide in the shadow, which is a sphere, a metron of influence, divine influence, such that when you come in, certain things automatically happen to you or for you by virtue of your, of your positioning. By virtue of your positioning. Yesterday I taught in Genesis 14 to the brothers there. Do you know, Chidaloma and the three allied kings, they overtook five cities, Sodom and Gomorrah included, Gion. And I forget the other names. That whole region was rampaged by a uh, very um, horrific economic principality in the person of Chedaloma. Do you know that only two cities were untouched? Only two cities he could not touch? Which were they? Zion and Hebron. Who was in Zion? Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of peace. Who was living in Hebron, Abraham, spiritual father, Melchizedek, spiritual son, Abraham had immunity or protection over rampaging economic principality in their day. Yeah? There's this great protection. I'm reading John Alley's newest book now. You know what the title of the book grabbed me? It's called City Gate. The protection of churches and cities is the subtitle. And in the book, he talks like Pastor Thamos teaching on the church as the city of God, how it's walled in by apostles with fathers at gates, and how citizens are protected in that. I want to, I want to assure you all, you are in an environment 
in which the shadow of the Lord is cast. I want to say this definitively to us all. You will be protected. You will know immunity. But you need to be accurately positioned in that couch. Yeah? You know, everyone just like a raider do this. Like, you know. Uh, you know, if you stand like in the center of a circle, what you call a radius, eh? Point from the center to the circumference. Right? Some things you don't forget, right? And so center, if you draw a circle, it's a radius. The Lord gave me this picture a few days ago. God is saying, your radius is increasing. So I'm going to make your radius longer so that your sphere of impact would be wider. But, you know, the wider, we can only go wider if the quality of sonship in the house raises. In Paul's language, you said this to the Corinthians, I will preach in the regions beyond you when your faith is enlarged. Right? When your faith is enlarged. I want to say this to all of you. Renee and I appreciate all of you. We really do. Um, Lord, the Lord told this to me last night. I was just praying in between and out of sleep and pray. <laughs> the Lord just said to me, tell them how much I love them through you. I'm going to speak on God's behalf when He says this. Your Father loves you. Your Heavenly Father loves you unconditionally. And we will demonstrate to you that love in a very tangible, practical way. Showcase His love in and through you. Each of you are valuable contributors to the purposes of the Lord in and through this congregation. None of you is a, is a limb. Is a, none, none of you is, are useless. All of you are going to play a strategic role. Just tell you you have a part to play. All of you, including, including our newest people, including our visitors today, I want to encourage you, you have an intimate, integral part to play, right? You have a part to play in the evolution of God's purposes to this house. All I know in the Spirit. I don't know, I can't accurately define some of the things I'm saying. I just know them as witnesses in my Spirit. God is increasing the dwelling space among us. We're all going to be beneficiaries of this process. Amen? Amen. Would you lift your hands as we pray? Oh God. Come on, stand with me. Let's just stand. Just quieten your mind and your heart before the Lord today. And build up your faith. Get your faith up. We're going to pray impartational prayer upon you. As I say it, you believe it. You believe it as true for you and for your family. Amen. This is for you and for your family. You believe it as true. Father, by the authority that you have given to me as your son and by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost, I thank you, O oh God, that this community of people, I declare blessed of you in the name of the Lord. I know that you've already blessed them from before time began and in your foreknowledge you saved them and you've made them sons. You've translated them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. I know this, Father. But today I activate by my decree over the house the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and brings no sorrow with it. I declare every father, every mother, uh, every child blessed of the Lord. I decree that the favor of God in you will multiply. The favor of God in you will increase to measures that will even astound you. I now install into your spirit by my declaration 
Grace for oneness. Grace for corporiety. Grace for loving brothers unconditionally. Grace for esteeming the other as better than yourselves. Grace for a subscription to corporate vision. Not so much your personal vision, but yet your personal vision will be accomplished as you submit to the higher vision. I submit to you that your days are flailing away with no commensurate success because you lost your accent. I decree to you those days are over now in the name of the Lord. I decree to you the Lord gives you back your accent. The Lord reinstalls your effectiveness. Today, by my utterance, I declare God's heart for you that you will know a distinct difference in how you work, how you operate, and the kind of fruit that comes to you, and the kind of successes that come to you. I decree that your accent has been restored to you in the name of the Lord. I ask, O oh God, as we band together now, just join hands with the person next to you as we pray. I ask, Father, even across the aisles, it's fine. I ask, Lord, as we band together and we link arms, I thank you, O oh God, your, your, your word says that a king whose troops are with him are majestic. I pray for the spirit of majesty, kingly dimensions to come upon us. I decree that there will be no division among us. There will only be love. There will be no uh, suspicious behavior of one toward the other. But everybody will give everybody else the benefit of the doubts. I decree that some of us will make overt sacrifices for the good of the brother. And as Sean said, to seek every opportunity to do good to the household of faith and not to be slack in well-doing. While we have opportunity, let us do that. Father, look at this army, Father. I ask you, look at this army, the army of David, like the armies of God. And God, I ask, oh God, that even now, open the heavens. Open the heavens over this congregation. Open the heavens over personal lives. And rain down resource, rain down new grace and glory. Uh, I, I thank you, oh God, for anointings and equipment for service that we've never known before will be all of our portion. Everyone lift your hands now. I'm going to pray for the spirit of revelation, which I think is so, so important. I, I ask, as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, I ask for the spirit of revelation and understanding to be our portion. Let that come upon us now, Lord, in the name of the Lord. Holy Spirit, you alone can only do these things. I ask you, I beg you, open the hearts and the minds of your sons to see truth and principles in your word that they've never ever before seen. I remove the blur, I remove the dullness, I remove the inability to understand. Receive now, church, spirit of revelation. Receive a spirit of understanding. Receive the spirit of light. When you read God's word, things will pop up and open and jump and your spirit man will leap in the womb of your being as God's light breaks in the secrets of his word. I pray this dynamic and this anointing in Jesus' name. Now, God, I just pray every need here be, be met in Jesus' name.